0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Guymere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, guymerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen.
1: Um, Tonight's Bible reading is from Mark 5, verse 25 to 35. A large crowd followed followed and passed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realised that power had gone out, of, out from him he turned around to the, in the crowd and asked, who touches my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answers, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and felt, fell at his feet and, and trembling with fear, told the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and peace and be freed from your suffering?
0: It started so long ago. The cramping, and it got so I couldn't hide it. Just more and more, the fatigue, the weakness, and the bleeding, it just intensified with time. And I saw the women that I grew up with cradle their bellies as they grew and nourished life within them, while I gripped my own belly in pain, just bleeding towards death. At first, I tried hard not to let bitterness or or envy take root in me, but over time, it just became so hard to resist the waves of emotion that that crashed into me and, and swept me along into really dark places and the shame it grew steady like a cancer and i felt the disgrace of my womanhood moment by moment because if a man bleeds there's glory attached to it but when a woman bleeds we're shamed And it's been a long time since someone touched me. Too long. People avert their eyes and have all all too easily given up trying to say or do something that would help. But I heard the rumors, the healings, the man who could cure and make clean I heard the stories and I saw them traveling to a sick girl. She's just 12 years old. 12 years is too short a life to live and much too long to be draining of life. He was heading for Jairus's daughter and it was just the cover I need. He's busy they're heading to something important. It's loud, everyone's jostling, people are panicked, no one's gonna notice me, right? He was here, he was near, and I have to try, don't I? If there is any chance that he could, if there is any hope that he would. There are some Bible stories that you feel certain you know as a child, but have a huge uh aha moment when you read it again as an adult. For me, Noah's Ark. Finding out that there was seven pairs of each animal, not one. The story of Jesus turning the temple tables and finally discovering that there's children leading the praise party in the temple area just after those tables have been upturned. And this, the story of two daughters and the 12th year miracle. My initial understanding when I, when I read through this story when I was younger, maybe you got epiphanies straight away. But I read this story and I loved it because she's a miracle thief and I loved her sass. (laughs) Mm, I still love her sass, but when I read it, I read Annoyance in Jesus's tone and figured that somehow in this story, she, she got away with her act of rebellion because of a benevolent God. But there was this cheeky stealing of what wasn't actually meant to be hers. And now I read it again, older, not necessarily wiser. But when I read it now, I love this story and I fall in love with it over and over again because I feel like as I read it, I see layer upon layer of redemption being poured into a woman's life with who's going through an agonizing amount of pain that I could never have contemplated as a child reading through this story. Now I read this story of a daughter, and it's powerful because it's one of those lifter of your head moments, isn't it? And so I wanna invite you to tonight to just sit with me in this story a little bit. And if you've got your Bibles here, to turn them to Mark chapter five. It's a chapter of healings, the demon-possessed man a dead girl and a sick woman. It's a chapter that follows a story of Jesus and the disciples on a boat that is being overwhelmed by a storm and Jesus in all his worry is sleeping on a cushion. The disciples wake him up with this scathing reproach. Don't you care that we are perishing? And their frustration suggests that they do have an idea that Jesus can do something about the storm, but they think he's indifferent to their desperation, having no concern for their survival. And rather than answer them with a, well, of course I care, here's some examples of how I've shown I care, he takes action, rebuking the wind and the waves and calming the storm. And you might think that that settles the matter. But wait, there's more. Chapter 5, with its miraculous healings, is a continuation of the answer to the question Don't you care that we are perishing? With each touch, Jesus reaffirms his answer displayed on the water. In verses 21 through to 42, we have this amazing tale. We have these beautiful juxtapositions of the stories of two females. Jairus has come to plead a case for his daughter and Jesus is heading towards Jairus's daughter who is dying when he's interrupted by our bleeding woman. And the story picks up again with the healing of Jairus's daughter after our main character tonight. We have these incredible juxtapositions of these two females. Jairus the father is powerful and our bleeding woman is not. The bleeding woman reaches out her hand to Jesus. And Jesus takes the young girl by the hand. Jairus feels comfortable to give voice to his plea, but the bleeding woman does not. And we have these parallels through their story too. One has been bleeding for 12 years and one alive for 12 years. Both are called daughter. Both are in great need. They are perishing. And Jesus responds, going to the next level. Because yes, he cares for our imminent physical needs, but also for our shame and for our isolation. And this bleeding woman, oh boy, did she know shame and isolation. The women that we encounter through the book of Mark are nearly all single, divorced, or widowed. They have no male person to protect or represent them in the patriarchal society of the time the hemorrhaging woman, the Syrophoenician woman with her daughter, the poor widow who donated her last two coins, the woman who anointed Jesus, the servant girl of the high priest who challenged Peter, Mary Magdalene, Salome, the other women at the tomb, the women whom Mark pays most attention to are mostly unmarried. And in the Hellenistic Roman world, where most women were married, these single women belonged to the marginalized among the marginalized, voiceless. Now it's hard for us to imagine a world where women are marginalized in a patriarchal society, but please do your best. (laughs) Some Jewish writers of Jesus' time taught that women should never leave the home except to go to synagogue. This was a time when Jewish men prayed a prayer of thanksgiving, praise be God that he has not created me a woman. There may be some here who have prayed that prayer. As a woman, she was not a legal person or a public figure in her society. So some would believe that she violates the expected modesty of women by being amongst the crowd at all. She should not have been in the mix purely because of her gender, let alone anything else. But of course, we know there is something else. A constant hemorrhaging that has persistently gotten worse, regardless of the efforts to stop it. The strength this woman must have had to see doctor after doctor and give details of her situation. Mark describes her condition as amastix, meaning whip, lash, scourge, or torment, and the term combines both physical suffering and shame. She shouldn't have been there that day. Her bleeding meant that she could not approach the temple and the Torah ruling that declared her unclean meant that the woman and whoever touched her was banished from the community until purification. She shouldn't have been there, but she was. Her faith and her desperation forged a formidable marriage and she decided to touch him. Crowds of people were bumping into him But she was there to touch him with intentionality. She heard of Jesus and believed within her that if she could even just touch his garment, she would be healed. What medical experts could not do, merely touching Jesus' garment would do for her. But by pushing through the crowd... And touching Jesus' garments, she would have defiled both the crowd and Jesus. It goes against all the taboos of her culture, against the laws of her religion. It's bold, it's it's risky, it's faith-filled, and it's daring. Because if touching Jesus' clothes could cure her, could her touch make him unclean? Can you picture her hand <laughs> shaking? Have you ever had that moment where your heart thumped so loudly in your chest you could swear everyone around you could hear it? It's a crazy moment. She heard of him. She came to him. And she touched his clothes. Immediately, the blood dried up. Immediately, the pain stopped. Immediately, she knew She knew in herself that she had been healed. 12 years of frustration and agony resolved in an instant. Wow. At the same moment, Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. And he asks, who touched my clothes? Who touched my garments? And the disciples, of course, were surprised at such a ridiculous question because they're seeing this crowd mill around him. But for the woman and for Jesus, the touch was specific. They knew the touch was his garment, the touch was his clothes. Not the purposeless touch by the crowd, but a specific, intentional touch of his clothes. And in John, soldiers cast lots over Jesus' garment yet drew no power from it. Whereas this woman just has to touch his garment in faith. And this outflow of power from Jesus has immediately arrested the woman's outflow of blood. Who touched my clothes? The woman is fearful. She wants to remain hidden, but the healer is insistent on discovering the healed. Jesus demands an encounter. She has every reason to be afraid. Her being in public and touching him are both clear violations of the law. And yet, she comes before him and filled with fear told the whole truth. And with her physically at his feet, ashamed of her boldness, Jesus calls her daughter. Protecting her honor by giving to their encounter the safest possible relationship for her touch. He calls her daughter. Others saw a woman. They saw bleeding. They saw unclean. But Jesus saw a daughter, a daughter, a child of God. And Jesus makes a powerful religious leader, a well known man, Jairus, wait, so that he can heal this woman, the untouchable outcast. He takes a woman whose only identification is her shame, a menstrual hemorrhage, and calls her daughter. Now this is some next level compassion. Her physical ailment is healed, but he goes on. I've lost the verse. He goes on in verse 34 and said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Her physical ailment is already healed, but he goes on to grant the honor of the cure to her by virtue of her faith. Which seems a little ridiculous. Because Jesus' power is the clear source of her healing. He just is healing. Without even intentionally stopping and trying to heal somebody, he exudes healing for the person desperate for it. Like he can't help it. It's his power that heals her but he grants the honor of her cure to her. By affirming her action and her faith, he removes her shame in that moment and instead accords her some respect. Amazing, he could have called her over and done something very different. He could have said, who touched my clothes? Knowing the power went out of him, and when she got the courage to come timidly before him, he could have said, you're welcome, and gotten on with what he needed to do. That would have been a perfectly valid response. But instead, in the assembly of men, in the presence of a synagogue leader, Jesus brings testimony of the bloodied woman's great faith. He makes her the hero. What Jesus restores to this woman is is profoundly political in its liberating force. Jesus wants her to bear witness and to make an example of her in the very best sense, which reveals again and again to me of his attention to the human heart over all of the rigid norms of society's codes. I love what this story says to me about Jesus's value of women. I love that it models Jesus's preference for the marginalized, that the term untouchable or unclean hold no gravity in his presence. I love that Jesus goes above what we would hope for she came for him to him for the bleeding to stop, and he made sure she left with honor, with dignity and with her humanity back. Jesus shows persistent attention to our pain. She already got what she needed, but he still seeks her out. He wants to see her, He wants to assure her, to communicate with her. And it amazes me that, that her issue was solved at that point that she acted in faith, but she had not yet had encounter. Her issue was resolved through her act of faith, but had she left then, disappeared, and not faced up, she would still be alone. Because she knew she was healed, but no one else did yet. And to the community, she was still unclean in that moment. She could have left, rejoicing in being free from pain, but Jesus wanted to make sure that she wasn't isolated anymore. By responding to Jesus, by coming back, by his seeking her out, she not only gets connection with Jesus, the person, but he also restores her back into the community, publicly, unequivocally, the bleeding woman called daughter, and no longer alone. For anyone here who's ever known how shame and pain can isolate this woman's story is good news. And our shame may be attached to the sins that we commit, to the, to the addictions that we harbor, to the criticism that we bestow upon our family when no one is watching. To the greed that consumes our thoughts, the jealousy that overwhelms, the uncleanliness in all of us that hides beneath the robes we wear. But not all of our not all of our shame stems from outrageous sin, as in the case of this woman. It can creep in through judgments from others, from childhood abuse, from comparison. Our isolation can come from the pain we bear, the pain of disease, the pain of anxiety, the pain of waiting for the child that never comes, the pain of longing for approval from a disinterested parent, the pain of depression that forces you to withdraw from family and friends, the pains that separate us out and ensure that we stand alone. For any of us that have experienced any of the laundry list of ways that we become isolated through shame and pain. This woman's story is great news because if God is today who God was then, then we can trust that He will do again what He has done. His actions flow from who he is and the psalmist in Psalm 77 begins in this terrible lament of feeling lost and alone and isolated and ends their psalm in rejoicing and praise of God with no circumstances having changed but simply from remembering who God is. So I want to share with you A verse from Psalm 77, verse 10 says, Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. It's an amazing psalm that goes from depression to praise in this beautiful journey with nothing in the circumstances changing yet, but simply holding true that God, if you have done amazing miracles of long ago, if you are a miracle-working God, if you are a healing God, if you are a compassionate God, if you have done all of those things that I know you have done, and I trust you have done, and if you are today who you were then, then I can trust that you will do it again. And so this miraculous story should give us some comfort, some comfort. There are times through scripture where Jesus seems to use the words, your sins are forgiven and and you're healed interchangeably to me. Ultimately, Jesus' concern for us is restoration. Not asking so much who sinned and how. It's about making things whole, free, freed from suffering. When he encounters brokenness, he is less concerned with the cause of the brokenness than the opportunity to bring wholeness. He wants to ensure that we're not alone. And so he approaches us, he moves toward us, and as in the case of the bleeding woman, wants to ensure that the job is fully done. And it's nearly Christmas at Christmas time, aren't we reminded that God took action and came towards his people in their need, in their sin and brokenness. He came toward them, bringing salvation, bringing redemption, and God still comes toward people in their brokenness. I love the Christmas story because God could have come to earth in an incredibly menacing way. He could have come as an avenging angel with a flashing sword, but he chose to come as a baby. And here in this story, Jesus could have responded in an angry way to the bleeding woman, bringing her more shame, treated her with the disgust that celebrities treat many paparazzi and fans with when they're jostled by a crowd. Yet he lovingly sought her out so that he could call her daughter. And today, we often still anticipate from our shameful places that God will present as angry judge, as disappointed parent, as disgusted almighty. And so we avoid his gaze, hiding and protecting our shame. But the bleeding woman reminds me that rather than protect our shame, store it away watch it grow. We should embrace the opportunity to be clean. We can hide from God, but He knows who we are, how we're broken, and He approaches us anyway. He approaches us anyway. And if God today is who He was then, He's approaching us with compassion, ready to bring wholeness, and healing. So we're going to take a moment right now to consider the story of someone completely healed by God. Someone who came fearfully with a willingness to tell him everything and bring the whole truth in order to find the entire restoration was hers. And I'm gonna ask Mark Coleman to come and lead us so that we may respond in a way that's appropriate. And I'll invite the musicians to come up to now.
2: May I invite you to stand with me right now. And as we stand, sometimes even something as simple as the act of standing is an act of commitment that we make. That we are stepping into a moment of intentionality. Because the reason that we respond and we take time to respond in this way is so that the moments that Jesus invites us into don't pass us by. So that we don't forget that it's true what we hear here on a Sunday. It's true what Jesus is inviting us into. He is inviting us into lives that are changed by him right now, right now in this moment. So Shandri mentioned we are going to take some time to respond and in a moment there will be an opportunity to sing and that is no less a way of responding as we declare truths over each other about who God says we are and and who we say God is. That is a really important part of our response but we also want to take some time to specifically respond to this moment this invitation that I believe that uh, God has placed before us this evening. Chandri spoke about Jesus being healing, like his presence bringing healing. He exudes healing and that he has come in this extraordinary act of compassion as we hear about in this story to not only bring that healing, but also to remove our shame. And I don't know about you, but I have moments of great shame. Will we become miracle thieves? Stepping in to that invitation for Jesus to remove our shame? Will we come before Jesus and bring our brokenness to him? Do we need to take courage and step into this again? We pray at the end of our services. We have a team of people who stand here at the front and we do that every week. And quite often that can become just this thing that we see happen in front of us and we move on from. Maybe the still, small voice of God is inviting you to recognize that God is at work in this moment, prompting you now to receive healing, to receive Jesus' work in setting us free from our shame. May I encourage you to re-look at what it means to say, yes, I want to stand with someone in prayer this evening, because we would love to do that. So as we sing I'm going to invite you to bring uh, those things that God might be stirring on your heart uh, to pray with those at the front. But before we do that, just some of the things that Jesus might be speaking to us. As I was sitting listening to Chandri, where, where is shame holding us back? Where is pain at work in us? preventing us from stepping into all that God is inviting us into. Shandri listed a number of ways, which one stuck out for you. And particularly for us as men here in this room this evening, is God inviting us to consider the way that we treat women, the way that we restore their position in society or we seek to degrade them? I'm going to take a moment to pray now. Would you join with me in prayer? And then we're gonna sing. And in that time, I invite you to come forward and pray with our prayer team. So let's pray now. Father God, I thank you that Jesus moves towards us in an extraordinary way. That he brings healing, but that he also brings the restoration from shame. Father, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, come now and speak in the still small voice that speaks to us in our hearts of where shame or pain is holding us back. And Father, when we recognize that, as we recognize that, would we also see the Jesus that this woman saw standing before her? Not the version that we believed perhaps in the past, but the version now. The face full of compassion. The face that says, yes, I want to restore you. I want to set you free. I love you. Father, I pray as we see that face, that we would take courage that it is Jesus who invites us to bring all that is going on in our lives before him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We are gonna sing again now. Our prayer team are gonna come forward now. Please do step into this opportunity. Don't let it pass you by.